Thank you so much for joining us today for our LifePoint podcast. At LifePoint, we believe everyone's welcome, nobody's perfect, and with God, anything's possible. Hope you enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Everybody good? Everybody good? It's kind of soft, but that's okay. I'm assuming you're just tired. Uh, so glad to see you. My name is Danny Rivers, and I'm one of the pastors here at LifePoint. I want to say hello to all of our family online, our family in the lobby or in the tent, wherever you might be today. Come on, let's give it up for all those guys, would you, in the room today? Thank you. Hey, right before I jump into the message, I want to say a big thank you to the team uh, led by Maria Guy, who put on our Thrive Women's event, our ladies' event on Friday night. Um, I think the last count I saw was that we had 448 ladies in the room. Uh, we don't have that many chairs, but we did it somehow anyway. Uh, and so I want to say a big thank you. It was an amazing night. Um, and this week was our 26th anniversary, my wife and I. So I just want to say happy anniversary, babe. Love you. <clears throat> question for you this morning. Um, what is, this is a fun question. What is most likely to kill you? Okay, you ready? You ready? Um, is it six alcoholic drinks a day? Is it obesity? Is it smoking 15 cigarettes a day or loneliness? Anybody? Anybody? It's actually loneliness, according to scientists. I read a, I read a study done by the Surgeon General's office last year, April, May, somewhere in there, that said it was more likely loneliness, chronic loneliness was more likely to kill you than all those other things. And in fact, we have been looking at this idea of flourishing, and we've been starting in the beginning of, of, of God's word in Genesis and studying how God created humankind. And in the creation story, we see that Adam is made in the image of God, so he has the imago Dei, the image of God, stamped onto his life. He is given a, a purpose and a mission to orient his life around. He's given a mandate to be fruitful, to increase, to take the God image and spread it throughout the culture and the world. But in spite of all that, there is still something huge missing from his life. And we find it out in Genesis 2 what it is that's still missing. In Genesis 2, it says that the Lord God said, it is, say this with me, it is not good. Now, this is the first time we're seeing um, this, this phrase being uttered. Everything else had been good and or very good. Uh, until this moment, and the thing that God said is, is not good is, he says, the Lord God said it's not good for the man to be, say this with me, to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. G God knows that a person who is created in the image of God is created um, to be in relationship with other people, that, that life is not meant to be done without friendship, without community, without what he, he will call Eve a helper in life. So God creates Eve uh, to be a partner for Adam, to create the flourishing that he will need relationally because flourishing involves multiple layers. And one of the key layers of flourishing is, is relationships. So what we've discovered through our time so far, this is week four of this series, is that there's a part of flourishing that is all about what God does in our lives, right? But there's also a part that we do. He has his part, and we have our part, and that's mostly how life works. God does his thing, we do our thing. And so last week we talked about the idea, the practice of rest and rhythms, that life is meant to be lived in a certain kind of rhythm. Today I want to talk about flourishing in community, because I'm going to argue that we won't flourish, we won't succeed, we won't grow luxuriantly the way that that, that word means, 
apart from having not just any kind of relationships, but life-giving relationships, right? And so when God gives Eve to Adam and Adam to Eve, it's more than just husband and wife thing going on here. They're meant to forge a kind of partnership with each other first, and then with God, ultimately, to bring the image of God, the flourishing of God throughout the whole earth. We were created to flourish from community. Now, now let me make a quick distinction that being alone is not a bad thing. Come on, the Bible is, it, it, and I'm not even talking about being alone like relationally. I'm just saying being, spending time alone, um, even seasons alone, is something that many of the great biblical characters uh, experienced that often forged them, made them who they were. So folks like John the Baptist, time alone. Moses, time alone. Jesus, time alone. Elijah, um, John the Beloved on the Isle of Patmos. All of these people spend significant time being forged in a season or seasons of, of solitude. Uh, Henry Nouwen said that, it, that solitude is the furnace of transformation. Like we're not talking about isolation because isolation is the garden of the devil, Rick McKinley says, right? Like isolation is I don't need anybody. I don't, I don't, I don't want anybody. I don't have to listen to anybody, right? That's the garden of the, the, the devil. But, but when, when, when you say I'm gonna step away and have purposeful time with God, there's meaning in that. There's goodness in that. But having said that, we were not created to live in isolation. We were meant to live our lives with substantive friendships, deep um, life-giving, abiding friendships. God has people um, that he wants to put into your life, like the right kind of people, um, but you and I have to be willing to work with him because everybody needs friends in faith. Say that with me. Everybody needs friends in faith. Now, there is a journal that I have referenced before. It's a peer-reviewed uh, study on, called the Journal of Happiness Studies. And I've said it before, but the research is all about how to, to discover what it is that causes humans, human lives to flourish, what produces um, sustained joy over time in life. And according to several of the studies that were done during the past 40 years, what distinguishes consistently happier people from people who are less happy or not happy is the presence of rich, deep, uh, joy-producing, uh, life-changing, meaningful relationships with other human beings. Friends, family, spouses, co-workers, whatever it is. And, and, and here's what's also true. That not is it just important that you have people in your life, that the people that you have in your life will have a major impact on how you think about things about how and where and what you place value on in life. So while I'm gonna argue in this message that we need community, we are designed for community, I'm also gonna argue that it's, that it's just as important that we have the right people. Like, not just, come on everybody, not just people, but the right people uh, around us in life if we're going to flourish the way God's designed. Having the right people... Um, we'll have so much to say about our satisfaction in life, our contentment in life. In fact, our relationships, the key people in our lives, will have as much influence on the paths we take in life and the direction and the destinations that we arrive at than almost any other thing will. And our lives will move in the direction of our closest 
relationships. Our lives will move in the direction of our closest relationships. So it's gonna be very difficult for you and I to live and flourish long-term without having the right people. And, and here's what I've said all the way through this, that, that God's design is that we flourish, that we grow, that we're planted in the house of the Lord, that we stay connected to the vine, that our lives bear much fruit. But none of that means that in life we won't have suffering, trials, tribulation, sorrow, sickness, right? None of that, that is part of the human condition, right? But what enables us to flourish even with any of that going on is the right people in our lives. That as we're walking through the seasons of sorrow or tribulation or trouble or sickness, that the right people are there present walking it out with us. Now here's what I also know. All of us will have people in life. Even those of you who are very shy or introverted, you will by design or by default, by design or by default, you will have people in your life. Friendly? Remember family plan? Anyways, um, it just came out. Friends, family, coworkers, teammates that you'll have community with. And my suggestion then is since that's true, since it's either gonna be by design or by default, it's important that you pay attention who these people are, right? This is where I, I, I'm gonna just kind of lean into all of us through God's word because my fear, and, and, and this is my pastor's heart coming forth. If you're not a, a member of this church or a part of this church, then just bear with me just for a second as I kind of lean into the folks who are, right? right? My fear is that we have become so assimilated into the culture, into the values of the culture, that we don't realize that we kind of have drifted off of the course of God's way of God's word, right? And so this is why the psalmist says in Psalm 1, and we've referenced this psalm, I think, every message in this series. He says, blessed is the one, or blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. Now notice that he's, he's, he's just saying that there is a blessing coming from people who are very careful about who they do their lives with. Do you see that right here? It matters who you do your life with. He says, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord or, or the word of God and who meditates, who studies, who, who integrates the law of God into their life. That person who doesn't do this but does this is like a tree planted by streams of water, right? Which yields its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither and whatever they do, Prosperous. Now, real quick, what does it mean to be blessed by God? It means that God's supernatural favor, and I would even say it like this, that God's bias is going to be working on your behalf. It's God blowing the wind into your sails because you are orienting your life, going God's way, not without trial, not without trouble, not without stress sometimes, but that generally speaking, God is blowing the wind into your sails. And it's incredible to me that he says that the one who will bless or flourish or be fruitful, like if you want to know how to, be, to flourish, how to be blessed, the psalmist, the psalmist starts out by saying it matters who you do life with and who you choose not to do life with. Like, this is important. The person who is blessed, the person who will flourish will be very care careful who it is that they keep in step with, right? And, and why do we find that community is so important? Well, it's because, and parents, you know this is true because you've seen it with your kids. We tend to get our shape 
in life, for better or for worse, by the company we keep. And so whoever we identify with most in culture, in the world, in life, becomes our community. Whoever becomes our community, right, our people, start to steer the course of our lives. And the blessed person, the psalmist says, is the one who strategically chooses, by def- not by default, but by de- de- uh, uh, um, design, who chooses people who are going God's way rather than with people who are not going God's way. Now, so you and I have to find our people, and it's important that we find the right people because community is often referred to as common unity, right? Common unity. So in the community of the people I choose to do life with, I'm finding my common ground, my common unity. I'm gaining or I'm learning my truth for life. I'm fighting common battles. I'm standing up for common causes. I'm on a common mission. I'm living out a common purpose based on the company that I keep. And all of that is well and good if the psalmist says, if I'm not walking with the wicked or standing in the ways of the sinner or doing life in the company of mockers. If you wanna live a life that flourishes, then you make a decision, a concrete decision I'm not going to live my life based on the wisdom, the counsel, the advice, the perspective of people who are not going God's way, right? Why? Because I want to be blessed. I want to flourish in life. And, and, and Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 that bad company corrupts good character. Right? Bad company corrupts good character. And if we choose the opposite of going God's way, like I'm going to live my life just you know, day to day, I'm floating here, floating there, like the decisions I'm going to make, the words I'm going to say, the, the stuff I'm going to put into my heart, into my head, how I'm living, my relationships that I'm building. I'm going to surround myself with the wisdom of the world, right, of the culture, the perspectives of people that are not going God's way. Their words, this is what I mean by that. Their words, their opinions are going to matter more to me, more than God's word. Like I'm going to allow them, their ideas the prevailing wisdom of the culture to shape me. I'm going to be in common unity with them. I'm going to stand for what they stand for. I'm going to agree with what they agree with. I'm going to to stand shoulder to shoulder with a mission and a purpose that is in opposition to God's good plan, God's good word. That will not produce a life that flourishes. I'm not saying you can't get the good life, right? The the houses, the cars, the, the fancy vacations. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying you won't have the the life that God has designed for you because the Bible says that the steps of a righteous man or woman are what? Ordered by the Lord. So there's an order. There's a way about going things. And the Bible says that the people, the righteous are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the carts of our God. The righteous, their steps are ordered by, by, by the Lord. So question, where are you drawing your counsel from in life? Where are you gaining wisdom? Whose opinion matters to you most? Where are you getting the information, the data that is shaping the values that you're living from in life? Because if you're walking in the ways of the culture, it's not going to go well in the end. And I don't think anybody thinks, hey, I'm walking in the ways of the wicked. I'm choosing to walk in the way of the wicked today. I'm waking up. I'm walking with the wicked. Who are they? I'll find them and I'll walk with them. (laughs) Right? Come on. Nobody's doing that. You're like, what are you even talking about? The wicked. It's a Bible word, all right? Stay with me. And nobody meant to walk with the wicked, except for the wicked, right? You know what I'm saying? But, but what we often do is we start our, living our lives by default 
rather than by design. And the default setting is, well, I'm going to live like everybody else does, right? We're going to raise our kids the way everybody else raised their kids. We're going to, what's important to, to the people around us, it's important to us. What I do with my money is what everybody else does with their money in, in, in the world, right? What I believe about the issues of morality, issues in community, issues in the, the country, I'll just go along with the crowd. Like, I don't want to, like, I don't want to be the odd man out. Like, like I, I don't want to stand out in a way that puts me at odds with the flow of the tide of culture. And this is why Paul says in Colossians 2, and I'm reading it from the Amplified, see to it that no one takes you captive. Well, I don't want to be captive. Well, he says, see to it then that nobody does, right? Through philosophy and empty deception. And, and this is the Amplified. It always has this sort of parenthetical statements. Pseudo-intellectual babble right? Sounds super smart, right? According to the tradition or the musings of mere men, following the elementary principles of this world rather than following the truth, the teachings of Christ. See to it that no one takes you captive to the vain philosophies, the, 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 the intellectual babblings of people who seem really smart but are not going God's way. This is, this is important. The thing is, nobody thinks they're being held captive by the philosophies and empty deceptions of the world. But the truth is, many of us are. Many of us here, many of us listening are. You're like, well, that doesn't feel very nice, Danny. Right? My job is not to be very nice today. Okay, so my, my, job, my job is to tell you what's up. We're, we're, some of us are leaning away from the teachings of Scripture and we're leaning towards the ways of the world. And I'm just saying, please don't do that. Please wake up from that and realize that you want to be in common unity with the kind of people who are going God's way. Got one amen. I really appreciate that over here. Thank you very much. <laughs> Honey, start the car just in case I need to run today. Pitchforks and, you know what I'm saying, coming at me. No, I'm kidding. What we're talking about today is is where are we going to get wisdom for life? Are we going to get wisdom for life by walking, sitting, standing with people who are not going God's way? Or are we going to get wisdom from, from God's word? So James, who is the little brother of Jesus, he writes this incredible letter full of wisdom. It's sort of the Proverbs of the New Testament. And he says, James 3, he says, Who is wise? And understanding among you. He's saying, hey, listen, when you're trying to find people to do life with, and you're saying, who is wise? If wisdom counts, if wisdom matters, who is wise and who has understanding? He says, okay, I got, I got, a, I got a test for that. Let them show it, show their wisdom, show their understanding by their good life, by deeds done in what? The humility. Like if it's, if it's arrogant, if it's condescending, if it's filled with pride, it's not probably coming from God, okay? For, done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition, he's creating two sort of mega, like, categories of people that, the, that, that are working in the way of the world, right? He says, envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such, quote, wisdom does not come down from heaven. But it is what? Say it with me. It is earthly. It is unspiritual. It's demonic. It could be one of all, or, or, or one, or one of these three, or it could be all of these three. Now, notice what he says next. 
He says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, that's that, those two categories again. There you find what? Disorder, chaos, disruption, division, right? And every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, it's, say it, it's pure. Secondly, it's peace-loving. It's considerate. It's submissive. Nobody likes that word. It's full of mercy and good fruit, impartial, and it's sincere. And listen to me. In this year, 2024, there are going to be many people who sound like godly people who are going to spout wisdom that is going to seem like it's awesome, but if it doesn't pass this test, it ain't from heaven. Listen to me. I don't care who's saying it. If, it's not come, if it doesn't pass this test, it's not from heaven. Okay, sorry. Like, 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 so here's, here's, here's my take from this. Like, if you and I don't make the decision, if you're leading a family, if you're, if you're leading yourself, you're at least leading yourself. Come on, somebody, right? We got to make the decision. We're going to walk counterculturally. Not trying to go to war with the world, right? Not trying, to, not trying to have culture wars. I'm saying we're not going to adopt the thinking, the ways, the means of everyone in the culture. Because if we do, James says, we, were, we, were, we are liable to be living from wisdom that is earthly, that is unspiritual, and could be, come, come on, demonic. Thank you again. One, uh, one amen over here. So, so you and I, we have to learn to walk with, to keep company with. If we're going to flourish, we have to learn to walk with, to keep company with the wise. Walk with the wise, Proverbs says, because a companion of fools suffers harm, right? You have to set the direction of your heart. You have to say, listen, I am at 15, 13, 20, 30, 50, whatever, however old you are, I am setting the direction by design, the way God designed me. I'm going to set the direction of my heart. I'm going to be intentional, not, not just sort of apathetic about setting the direction of where I'm going in life. And, and part of how you and I can avoid getting lost, getting swept off our feet, heading in the wrong direction of life, is to make sure that the people who are closest to us are also close to God. Hear me. It matters that your friends in faith are not just people who show up for an hour and five or depending on how long I go, 12 or whatever it is. Come on, somebody, right? But, but they're going God's way. And there's a fruit that is born in their lives that proves that they're going God's way. This fruit that we're talking about right here, right? I'm going to get my wisdom from godly people. I'm going to surround myself with mentors, with pastors, with leaders, with friends that are spiritually growing, spiritually maturing, and I'm going to go the same way with them. I'm not going to call what is pure evil, but I'm also not going to call what is evil pure. I'm, I'm not going to take my stand on sin and sinful practices. I don't care what's happening out in the culture. The Bible says, in fact, that there is a way, there is a means, there is a path that seems right unto a man. He says, but the end is a kind of death. So I want to go God's way. Because I'll be, listen, I'll be blessed if I go God's way. And so from the time of Adam and Eve, who, who, who try this, fail. To Noah, God makes a covenant with Noah, fails, right? Abram, Abram and Sarah, Abraham and Sarah, fail. King David, fail. 
God had always tried to start partnerships with people, with humanity, and to create a family, a spiritual family, and in this case, a nation called Israel in the Old Testament, to, so that people could have their identity shaped by it, so that their mission and their purpose and their values would be shaped by the spiritual family, right? So that when Jesus comes to be the ultimate partner, right, he comes to start a new family, right, for God, to, to bring about the flourishing of the world, the kingdom of God down, up there, down here. He creates a family for people to belong to, and he calls it the church, right? And when the church works the way that Jesus intended, and it doesn't always work that way, this one certainly doesn't. Do you know why? Because churches are led by people. Hello, my name is Danny, and I'm flawed and frayed. Come on, say it with me. Hello, your name is... Only four of you are helping a brother. So, so, so the church is God's idea, but sometimes we jack it up a little bit because we're people. And that's why there's grace and kindness and compassion and pure and all of these things. Cause, and that's why we repent and we say, I messed that up and I'm, I'm sorry. And we, we have humility, right? right? So, but when it works God's way, it becomes a spiritual family. So in fact, one time Jesus is teaching and he's told that his, his mom and his brothers are looking for him. And look what he says in Mark chapter five. He says, who are my mother and brothers? You gotta imagine his mom and brothers be like, what's, what's that mean? Come on, right? You're walking up. Who are my mother and brothers? Well, we are. Right? And Jesus is like, he looks at those seated in the circle around him. This is his followers, his disciples, right? The 12. And he says, here are my mother and my brothers. And one of them's like, bro, I, I, I ain't trying to be your mom. You know what I'm saying? Right. Sorry, just a little joke. All right. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Right? What he's saying is that he's come to start a family where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, but with Jesus, anything is possible. And he goes on and says, and whoever does God's will or my father's will Whoever's going God's way, that person is my brother or my sister, and we have become a spiritual family. And here's what I want to tell you. If you're wanting to flourish in life, it's planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of our God, right? We've read that over and over again, right? You belong to God, and as a result, I belong to God. If God's my father and God's your father, then that makes us what? Family, right? We got a family plan, everybody, Ephesians 2, Paul says, so now you Gentiles, anybody who's not Jewish, are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are, say this with me, you are citizens along with all of God's holy people, his set-apart people. You are members of God's family. This is powerful stuff right here. We're not strangers. We're not citizens of some country as much as we are citizens of a heavenly country, right? And there is a king over that country and his name is, come on somebody, his name is Jesus. And, 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 and how do we live that out? How do we practice spiritual family? We have to, we have to invest in one another. There are all these one another's in the New Testament. Love one another, honor one another, submit to one another, all these one another's. So we have to one another, one another. Anyways, I, it made sense when I thought about it right this second. Three, three quick takeaways about how we practice this now. 
We've got to be selective about who has influence in our lives. Does that make good sense? My parents, I know you'll say, man, we have to be careful and selective about who has influence because Proverbs 27, 19, Solomon says a mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. Ooh, Solomon the wise. Come on, he's got a big gray pointy hat like Gandalf or whatever. No, he doesn't, he doesn't. Now, we've already said the reason that these, 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 these friendships are so key and here's, here's the takeaway, the sticky statement. Your friendships are a force forming your future. Your friendships are a force. They are forcing, they're forming your future. And so I think it's true that the key people in life who you know have influence on your life, you should write their names down on a paper and decide what level of influence they should have. I think that's just wise. Which takes us to the second takeaway, which is that you might need to redefine your, your, your relationships, your harmful ones. Like, and, and maybe because our gardener God, right, Jesus said in John 15 that he said, I am the vine, my father is the gardener. Our gardener God, he says he's going to prune us. He's going to cut on, he's going to cut off. And two weeks ago, the sermon was, I'll cut you, Jesus. When Jesus comes to us, all you are weary, heavy laden. He doesn't, he doesn't do that. Sorry. Whew, that's a nice knife. Wow. Thank you. It's not Knife Point Church. Somebody try to name the church Knife Point. It's not. It's not. We're not going to let that take. I'm not making a shirt about that. Come on, somebody. Now, by the way, when I say redefine harmful, I'm not talking about your marriage. Danny said to dump you when I get home. No, I didn't. Come on. No, I did not. But it might, it might be time to limit. Because some of you are new to faith or some of you didn't grow up in church and so all of your friends were formed outside of the faith. There's nothing wrong with having friends outside of the faith. Man, good, good Lord, all, a lot of my friends aren't followers of Jesus. But I'm not going to let them have the most influence in my life. I have to decide that. Proverbs 13, 20 just says, and I read this earlier, he who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. So what that means is that not everyone who's good to you, can I get it? Not everyone who's good to you is good for you. Does that make sense? Just because they're awesome friends and you have the best time doesn't mean they're good for you. Third thing is you gotta make some friends in faith. Friends who are going down your same path. Friends who share your same beliefs and faith in God. Who share your convictions, right? Who will stand with us and walk with us through life. Who will call us out when we need to be called out. Who will support us. Who will carry one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Right? Now you might be hearing me and say, I don't have any friends in faith. Then I would say back to you, it's time to find some friends in faith. Right? And sincerely, I don't know of a better way to do that than to get on a team here. Like, if this is not your church, then you got another church somewhere, then get a team there. Get on a team there or get into a life group. Get into a small group, whatever, they, whatever the church calls them. Get into that, those smaller groups. We call them life groups here. By the way, they're launching today. We're, we're launching them out today. There's all kinds of information about how you can do that at, uh, out there in the lobby today or at lifewhenisay.com slash life groups. Listen, again, I know that many of you are new to faith 
or you're coming back from a long absence and so your friendships, your community, your people, um, maybe they're not going God's way. So you have to work a little harder maybe. And so I, I wanna draw this here. Um, and I'm the worst drawer and speller. Not, I spell really well, I don't draw letters very well. Does that make sense? Like, where are you gonna find, where are you gonna find friends in faith? Man, that's terrible. I need somebody else to draw for me. Well, like, think about it like this. Like concentric circles, right? Those of you who are over there, you can't see it probably. I'm sorry. I'm going to make some holes in myself so you can. Right? But, 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 but if this is the sort of the world, right? You could find friends out here. This is, you know, work or come on, social media. Take it back. Don't find friends there, right? Come on, just... But then, then, but I'm looking for friends. I'm looking for friends in faith. Well, there's the church, right? Whether it's this one or another one, and and the good thing about our church is that there are really good people here. But most of the people you're not going to know. So today there'll probably be 17, 1800 people come through here. If it was last week, there was, and we're all sitting in rows. And it's really hard to get to know people in rows. It just is. And so a lot of times folks will say, I didn't make any friends when I came to that church. And I'll be like, man, I'm so sorry. Were, were people not friendly? Yeah, yeah, they were friendly. Well, I mean, just I didn't make any deep connections. Did you get in a group? No. Did you serve on a team? No. Did you serve on a prayer partner? No. And so I think in my head, like, are we, oh, we should have ran out the door got in your car with you and made you take us to lunch. Look, I'm not trying to be a jerk, right? I'm just like, how do we make friends? It's like, it's like God wants to bring friends into your life, but if you're like, God, magic me some friends. Over here. Oh, wait. I'm going to go to another church. Nobody did, right? I'm in the new church and yeah, but Danny, I'm shy, I'm insecure, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, dude, listen to me. You're like never gonna believe me. I'm one of the shyest people you know. No way, yes I am. But I have to, you have to just go. You have to put yourself, you gotta lift up your head. You gotta put a smile on your face. The Bible says that he who wants to have friends must show himself friendly. That's just common sense, right? But beyond this, is, there is teams. And there are groups right? And these groups, some of these teams are huge here. Something like the, the, the impressions team is probably a hundred people. The kids teams are probably a hundred people, right? But, but within the team, you'll find that you serve at one gathering. So right now, ushers, raise your hand all around the room, right? right us, give it up for the ushers. Don't try them. They'll come, up, they'll come at you, man. Don't test them. But, but I would say that a lot of our ushers have become friends through the years because they serve on the team together, right? And they, maybe they serve at this gathering, gathering number two or gathering number four or whatever, parking team out there. There's a huge parking team, but they don't serve all four teams and they get to know each other because they're sweating and getting rained on, getting yelled at by some people who are not happy with them, right? They're going to war together, right? With you. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Parking team, shout it out, amen. If they're wearing orange today, come on, right there, right? 
They're suffering for you, for Jesus. But right here, friends in faith. And I read a study this week that said the average adult in America will only ever have two or three real friends. And some of you are like, dude, I got like 27. No, you don't. You just haven't tested them yet. You haven't been through trials with them. You haven't had adversity with them. You haven't had them do you wrong or you do them wrong. You haven't, none of that's happened yet. Just wait. It will happen over time. And that's why those of us who are 50 and up, we know you're going to have two or three. If you're blessed, real, real friends in life. Maybe if you're 27,000% extroverted, you'll have five. And I'm going to tell you that most of these people right here are going to come from one of these two sources. And it may take a while, but I want to tell you something. Friends and faith are the ones that tell you the whole truth, not 90%. It's the people that you can tell the extra 10% you don't want anybody to know, you know those are real friends. And you can tell them, and they're still your friend when it's all said and done. They have your back. The Bible says, in, that Solomon says in Proverbs 17, 7, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for what? For adversity. Crisis comes. Troubles come. Turmoil comes. Your world gets turned upside down. Who's still there? That is your friends in faith. That's what everybody needs. Substantive friendships. I want to show you this last picture real quick. I'm done. This is from a, a group of men that gather every Thursday night. I believe in Kevin Steele's house most of the time. Where did my picture go? Can I get it back? There it is. Some of these brothers are young. There's Jonah right over here on the left. Jonah's 20, 21 years old. Some of those brothers are not young. Some of those brothers have a lot of hair. Some of them have less hair. Some of them, like me, they don't have any hair. Come on. But that right there, there's generations there, and I've talked to many of those brothers right there who said, that group saved me. That group saved my life. I talked to a brother in December who's relatively new to our church. And he said, man, I go to this group on Thursday nights and I didn't really know Jesus and I didn't really know if I wanted to know Jesus and I didn't really know about church and I'd never really gone to church and I didn't ever, I felt depressed, I felt down and I didn't know what to do, but I came to church and then somebody invited me to a group like this one. And in this group, I found friends and I found brothers in arms and I found people I could do life with and I found people who would encourage me, pray with me, pray for me, kick my rear, come on somebody, if I needed it. And I thought, that's the way of Jesus. That's how flourishing happens. You get, you, you work your way down and you, you find some friends in faith. And most of the time it's going to come from one of those two places. And so my challenge to you is, the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. You want to flourish in this life? You need friends. You need friends in faith. You need friends who are going your way. You need friends who will stick with you, who will challenge you, who will uplift you, who will point you to Jesus, who will point you to the gospel again and again and again, who won't let you stray, who won't let you walk off the path, who if you fall, they're going to help you up. That's the kind of friends that you and I need. If we're going to flourish, you need those kind of friends. And you got to work it, everybody. You can't sit here. God, magic me some friends. you got to work that. You gotta try. You gotta partner with God. God has people for you. You gotta work with Him. Does that make sense, everybody? Hey, um, 
a couple things before Pastor Andy comes up and turns out the lights for us. Not really. Um, if you want to know more about following Jesus, um, and, and what I'm talking about today is one of the things that we do if we follow Jesus. We find people. Um, you can find a book out there called Following Jesus. We'd love to put that in your hands. Um, and we'd love to journey with you as you're trying to figure out what faith looks like in your life. I want to say one more thing to our church family. Um, many of you know uh, that I have um, struggled with a kidney disease um, for the past 10 years. I've talked about it here before. Um, and uh, when, when my life is gets a lot more stress than normal. It has have had impact on my kidney functions historically. And so the last six months, I referenced this last week, were really, really, um, were awesome. I mean, amazing things happened. I did lose my mom and suddenly, and so that was a lot. There was a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, all of which was based on good things. But the culmination of that back in August and then again in December was that my kidney functions had declined um, more in the past six months than they had the previous 10 years. And so doctors, uh, my doctor, um, my kidney doctor specifically suggested that I try to do something to reverse it um, because he has a step. The next step is not something I really want to do and think about right now. So um, under his advisement, and we, we collaborated with this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take off the month of February um, to rest and sort of reset my body. Um, nothing's, nothing's wrong. Okay, everybody with me? I just need to take a time out, and I hope you'll support the church while we're gone, while we're out, and Pastor Andy, Pastor Danny, our team, my wife will be around. I'm going to be in the town. I'm not going, like, off to, like, another country to hum with the birds, right? <laughs> not going to smoke any doobies or any... Okay, come on with me. Just, I'm just going to try to get away from some stress for a while, see if my numbers will come back up. It happened once before. This was planned for Ju July but, but we decided I better do it now. And so um, I, I, I'm asking you to pray with me, pray for me, that God would help whatever, whatever's next. I want to just do whatever it is. I want to do it well. Amen, somebody? So I'm done. Pastor Andy, are you around? Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If this ministry has impacted you in any way and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, please visit lifepointsa.com slash give to make a donation. We hope you have a great rest of your week and we hope to see you soon at one of our Sunday worship experiences. God bless.